You know we love spooky things. This is why we fell in love with Michigan-based Lynn B. Designs. When I popped the pumpkin spice all the things wax melt into my burner, my home was filled with a delicious buttery scent. Plus, there's the wide variety of a gorgeous nail polishes with themes like Hocus Pocus and Pleasant Peninsula. All products are vegan and cruelty-free, and you can find monthly sales on Facebook and Instagram at Lynn B. Designs. Head to lynnbdesigns.store today. Again, that's L-Y-N-B-designs.store. We love them. We love you. It's great nail polish. It's the best I've ever used. Thanks! Michiganders can be a superstitious bunch. We find all sorts of reasons to explain the world around us, sometimes pulling from science, sometimes tradition, and sometimes from our imaginations. What happens when we can't readily explain our experiences? And what happens when a ghost story gets out of hand? Do these legends stem entirely from fantasy? Or are people seeing things no one can truly explain? I'm Krista K. Coburn. And I'm Kay Gray. Welcome to Haunted Mitten. finally doing it we're tackling the place you folks have been asking for for four seasons eloise remember that you asked for this if you get bored with all the medical history don't come crying to us eloise was open in some form from 1832 to 1982 that's a long long time to rack up a huge history as we've heard from many listeners Uh, so we won't waste any more time here's the story of eloise yeah we love you guys but take this have this take this now yeah and and those who don't know welcome (laughs) uh so it started out as a county farm aka poorhouse in hamtramck if you're unfamiliar with the nearly impossible to pronounce city check a map of detroit It sits right in the middle of the city like the elephant graveyard from The Lion King. There's a whole history of how it got that way, but we don't have time to go into it. And it's not a spooky history. But feel free to look it up for yourself. If you enjoy neighborhood battles, you might enjoy the story of Tiny Hamtramck. Oh yeah, Hamtramck's (laughs) great. We did a a tour of um, the Detroit history tours are based in Hamtramck. Oh, And goodness. (laughs) So, yeah. Yeah, if you like neighborhood drama. Oh yeah. Story it's, for you. It's inc- it's pretty incredible. We just touched on it a little bit in the tour cuz that wasn't what the tour was about. Um but yeah, dang. <laughs> fun fun stuff, my kind of thing. So, back to Eloise or as it was known then, the Wayne County Poorhouse was situated on Gratiot and Mount Elliot Avenues. Poorhouses were essentially government-operated buildings in which the poverty-stricken could live and work. Sounds a lot better than it was. It yeah. <laughs> provided uh, it, it provided shelter uh, in exchange for what was kind of like indentured servitude. And some were even attached to prison farms, which we talked a little bit about in the Jackson episode. Um, often for the elderly and or infirm, poorhouses and farms provided publicly funded life for people in exchange for them working to the best of their ability. Um, though I'm unsure if anything got out of the poorhouses. <laughs> Um, people, yeah. I mean, when you're poor, how do you get out of a poor house? Yeah, it's it's rough living. Yeah. 
Charles Dickens <laughs> actually um, lived in a well a workhouse, but it's kind of the same thing in England. And that's yeah. why he was so anti-poverty. <laughs> what? Yeah, yeah. Was- all of the um, sources like Wikipedia and like Encyclopedia Britannica and stuff, I'll talk about people entering um, poor houses. Yes. No one talks about anyone ever leaving poor I'm houses. I'm sure it was very hard to leave because you... I mean, you couldn't save money, really, like like we think of right. today. Um, I actually don't know how Dickens' family got out of the workhouse, but they did because he became Charles Dickens. Right. So <laughs> yes, obviously. He became an infamous writer. Um, but yeah, if you didn't know that about Charles Dickens, that's where a lot of his plots come from because he lived in a workhouse, which is in here in America, we call them poor houses and then the, the county farms. And yeah. Yeah. By 1834, only two years after its official founding, the Wayne County House was in poor shape, uh, pun intended, was severely overcrowded, especially with children whose parents had died of cholera in a recent epidemic, which fun fact is, so I was looking up graves for Not So Secret Project, and I found a bunch of people died dead Mm. from the 1830s. Yeah. Hey, guess what it's from? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> cholera epidemic. Yeah, we had quite a few cholera outbreaks. I mean, everyone did, but Michigan sure, did yeah. for sure. But I was like, why are all like something must have happened because that's a lot of people to die. Right. And I was like, oh, I get it now. There was a cholera epidemic in the 1830s. Yeah. So uh, it was determined that the poor would move further west to what is now Westland on a brand new farm located on 280 acres of land. Of course, um, not everyone was so eager to go into the quote-unquote wilderness of Michigan. In fact, only 35 people chose to venture out to the new poorhouse, with 111 staying behind. Eloise started as a log cabin on the vast expanse of wild land. What had been the Black Horse Tavern was made into the caretaker's quarters. Quote, in 1839, an A-frame building was put up to house the inmates more appropriately termed by today's standards, patients. An A-frame cookhouse was erected in the back of the log building and was used for cooking by the patients, the staff, and the keeper's family. End quote. That's from Wikipedia. Yep, which is a very efficient source. Because I can trace all of your citations because you list them at the bottom. Thank you, Wikipedia. Yay, we love Wikipedia, actually. Yeah, I actually use it a lot for my writing job. Yeah. Uh, That's the auspicious... Started Eloise, <laughs> shall we say? Uh, um, you can see where this is going fairly easily, I'm sure. Places like this almost naturally evolve into places for those not "quote unquote" fit for society at large. More folks who were deemed "quote unquote" insane were sent to places like the Wayne County Poorhouse, locked up, or in the case of Eloise, eventually chained in rooms. Yay! Uh, things aren't gonna get much better from here folks so be prepared all the trigger warnings yeah oh yeah (laughs) yeah if you have anything like medical related hospital related that you just you don't want to hear about maybe you should Mm -hmm. maybe Mm -hmm. you pass this one (laughs) yeah um, it's bad it's not great especially when you know they move they move all you out to well the middle of nowhere yeah at the time it was it was quite quote unquote undeveloped but you know uncolonized by yeah. european standards it was not citified yeah so 
all of that is it to say that Eloise didn't actively help people as well. Eventually, the Wayne County house became self-sufficient with its own police station, firehouse, railroad, piggery, which I love saying, farm, <laughs> greenhouses, everything a not-so-small community would need to sustain itself. They even had a school for all those children that were orphaned because of the cholera plague. Hey, they had a school. Good for yeah, them. Yeah, whole school. Good job. <laughs> we're like, oh, that's like, oh. That's, we have to congratulate them for having a school. Bare <laughs> <Fair> minimum. <laughs> How sad. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Quoting from the Ann Arbor News, May 4th, 1965, quote, on a hot muggy afternoon in July of 1841, Mrs. Mary E. Hughes was buying vegetables and potatoes in the marketplace in Detroit when she suddenly and unexplainably went berserk. Awesome. Okay. Yep. Moving on. She ripped off her clothing, smashed store windows, and tore at kerosene street lamps. Aghast, the alarm townspeople had her taken by horse and buggy to the stagecoach tavern and post house at Eloise. She was chained in a basement cell called the Crazy Bin. Ugh. And thus became the first person in the state to be a judge legally insane. Welcome to mental health back in the day, everybody. That is quite the story. Yeah, and I think it's it's a very precise and efficient way to describe exactly what mental health care was. Right. Before mental health care existed. Yeah, I mean we we didn't <laughs> we didn't have psychology yet. No. Oh no. This is way before the This yeah. is like half a century or more before. Yeah, so. This is 1840. We did not study the mind. No, not really. <laughs> According to AsylumProjects.org, quote, a county report from the 1840s made reference to harsh restraints used to separate the mentally ill from other inmates. Read patients. The mentally ill were housed on the upper floor of a farm building used to keep pigs. The piggery. County employee Stanislaus M. Keenan reported in his 1913 book, A History of Eloise, that in the first few years, people in the surrounding area heard the chained unfortunates roaring and shrieking in discord with the squealing pigs beneath. End quote. But don't worry. Those patients didn't stay there. No, they got moved to a completely different building so the screaming wouldn't disturb the pigs. Yeah, you know. All of those unfortunate country folk. Those poor pigs. Wait. <laughs> yeah, this is awful. Uh, the, the chains, however didn't get removed until the 1880s, according to the Asylum Project. Yeah. <laughs> Yay. Yeah. That's uh, 40 years of chains. This is why you can't restrain people now, although that leads to problems of its own on, on occasion. Yeah. We won't talk about that. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a sad state of affairs, folks. I'm sorry. It, yeah, no, it just sucks all the way around. Yeah, even, Nobody even gets today. Nobody funding, which leads to... Even today's to, not great. Yeah. Fund mental health care. God yes. damn it. Please. <laughs> Please. Anyway, 1894 was when Eloise got its unique and some would say infamous name. The facility had yet to gain a post office and Freeman B. Dickerson, yes, that was a name, recent postmaster of Detroit, then president of the board of overseeing care of the poor, lobbied for the poorhouse to get one. The postmaster general agreed. And the new post office was named Eloise after Dickerson, Dickerson's five-year-old daughter. She was adorable. Yes, there will be a photo posted on social media. Someone please remind me when this airs. 
I'll do my best. But yeah, we <laughs> just somebody. We're busy. Yes. Yeah. Jeff, remind me when this airs. Thanks. Poke it. Poke it as someone. <laughs> We're always available in the Discord if you want to join Patreon and hop on our Discord. Yeah. Uh, it was then that the poorhouse at large was divided into two facilities. The Eloise Infirmary for the Sick and Elderly, and the Eloise Hospital for the Insane. Woo! Sorry for all the outdated language being used in this one, um, but we want to make sure we're quoting and labeling correctly for the history. Names yeah. changed, trends changed, terminology yeah. changed. Yeah. Yeah. Um, not long after that, about 1903, it was determined that the tuberculosis patients should be kept away from the main infirmary, and a canopied temporary structure was built. Good job for figuring that out, at least. <laughs> I think you got that far. <laughs> <laughs> a much more permanent building, the Eloise Sanitarium, was erected in 1911. Unfortunately, this was where those in their final stages of TB were sent after they'd spent all their money up to that point qualifying them for the poorhouse. Hooray! Yay, the American healthcare system has always been broken! Yeah, and, and they couldn't... They really couldn't do a lot about tuberculosis back then. They did. I mean, they did a lot. Yes. It just obviously wasn't as effective as what we have today. Right. From History of Eloise, quote, The doctor states, We are confronted with conditions at Eloise unknown in most hospitals. We receive patients in the last stage of consumption, sent to us when their personal funds are exhausted, when friends have wearied of their care, when nothing is left but the poorhouse. End quote. I cannot tell you how depressed I was in doing all of this research. Oh, yeah. Like, this is terrible. <laughs> yeah. Like, I guess, at at minimum, these poor people in their final stages were not just thrown on the street to die. Right. <laughs> so, they had a facility, but, you know, it's still, it's still publicly funded, which still unfortunately doesn't mean a whole lot. Um, and you know, it's still, it's still a poor house. Yeah. Yeah. Funnily enough, I just watched, um, I think it's called The Wind Rises. It's a Miyazaki movie. Yeah. And yeah, his wife has, uh, tuberculosis and leaves to essentially go die. Yeah. Um, at a sanitarium. Spoiler alert. <laughs> like that, that sort of took me by surprise, but, um, yeah, it was an, a lot of people say it's one of the more boring movies, but uh, I think the older you are, the more interesting it becomes. And, I agree. Uh, that yeah. poor, that poor man. That's um, yeah, that was a hard one to watch. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely not for children. No, yeah, this is a this is definitely an an older audience movie. Yes. By the 1930s, Eloise was a thousand acres and had 78 buildings. The facilities housed the poor, the mentally unwell, the unemployed, and the physically sick. That's a lot. Yeah, that's a lot. That's, um, like, the majority of kinds of people. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, that covers a broad swath of, of yeah, it's a lot people. Of people. Uh, the Great Depression brought people from all walks of life to Eloise. Surprise, surprise. And the city-sized population only grew. The Asylum Project writes, quote, by 1934, the inmate population averaged more than 8,300, about 50% of them mentally ill, and the number of employees had risen to nearly 2,000. For residents, boredom was a major problem. A 1939 Detroit News article described the daily routine. The residents rise at 7 a.m. and go to bed at 7.30 p.m. Between times, they sit and stare at the wall. 
at their feet, at the windows. There is no exercise or organized social movements, end quote. Some received passes to leave the grounds where, where they became easy targets for policemen who arrested and fined them for petty crimes. Sound familiar? Nice. Both found the outside world difficult to cope with. Many spent their leaves at local bars and ended up in jail. Others walked the surrounding neighborhoods aimlessly. Full end quote. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, there's not much to do. That basically, you basically just described Los Angeles' Skid Row uh, yesterday. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of. Honestly, just think back to like during the shutdown in 2020, a lot of people were doing the same thing. Uh-huh. In the, in their homes, in their neighborhoods, you yeah. know? Uh, when you have a one-to-four ratio of employees to patients, you end up with situations like this. Not surprising. Yeah. Uh, and that's not even taking into account the way the mentally ill were treated pre, like, the 1990s. Yeah. And even that, I mean, and 1990s even that. mental health in Michigan, oh boy. Uh, yeah, I quite literally can't imagine, like, it terrible i can because my you can for the kalamazoo <laughs> state hospital <laughs> yeah i got I a figured. i got an inside view of what happened yeah it was bad it was, it was, it was bad folks. <laughs> in short it was bad it's when we shut down all the state hospitals yay yeah yeah i figured you'd have a lot to say on this yeah. one and by state hospital i mean psychiatric hospitals they were called right. state hospitals they were the psychiatric facilities yes in 1945, Eloise was renamed Wayne County General Hospital and Infirmary to try and get away from all the stigma of asylums. Good luck. <laughs> and if you hadn't noticed, the name change didn't work. Yeah. <laughs> Seeing as gonna... we still know it <laughs> as right. Eloise Asylum. Yeah. Uh, but by the 1950s, Wayne County General was known as one of the best hospitals in the nation, according to the Asylum Project. Quote, it was the only acute care medical and surgical hospital between Detroit and Ypsilanti. Needy patients would have died without Wayne County General. A reporter who toured the facility in 1953 was moved by the pitiful cases, the senile, the spastics, the polio victims, and those with advanced multiple sclerosis, end quote. Oh, yeah, there would have been a lot of polio at that time. Oh, yeah. The hospital developed some major medical advances in its time. According to Patricia Ibbotson's book, Eloise, Poorhouse Farm Asylum and Hospital, 1839 to 1984, quote, Eloise was a pioneer in the use of x-rays. Oof. W.C. Röntgen, professor of physics at the University of Würzburg in Germany, developed the x-ray, or Röntgen, as it is called then. My German is terrible. I apologize. Yeah, sorry. We don't know German names. It was developed in 1895. So... Good job, 19th century. Uh, Stanislav Keenan was an amateur electrical experimenter, and he constructed an x-ray machine in December 1896, which was used in the county house dispensary. Interesting place to have that. Right? (laughs) Members of the Wayne County Medical Society visited the institution, and Detroit-area physicians sent patients to the hospital for x-rays of fractures. Eloise was among the first, if not the first, medical facility in the U.S. to use x-rays for diagnosis. End quote. Ibbotson was a nurse at Eloise before it closed and also helped raise money for the historical marker on the property. So she knows her shit. 
Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. So that's actually pretty cool. Eloise is probably the yeah. first hospital in the U.S. to employ x-rays, which are used hourly in the world. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. I, had, I honestly, I'm not kidding, had so many x-rays in one year because I was very active as a child and injured myself a lot. They cut me off <laughs> <laughs> because I had absorbed too much radiation for someone of my size. Sorry, kid, you have to stop hurting yourself because <laughs> you're going to yep. end up with cancer. <laughs> yeah, I was supposed to get a CAT scan and the radiologist was like, no, I can't give you that. I'm going to give you an x-ray instead because it's a lower amount of radiation. Right. At which completely pissed off my doctor because he was like, well, I already did an x-ray. I need a CAT scan. Right. But, but, but you can't because humans can only absorb so much radiation. Yeah. <laughs> we can only be exposed to so much. Yeah, that literally <laughs> happened when I was a child. I was also very small for my age at the time, so. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Oh. That, that could happen. They can, at least in the 90s. Right. <laughs> they, yeah, they, right. Would, they would cut you off. Oh, my gosh. Well, congrats on that, I guess. You achieved, you achieved that at such a young yeah. age. <laughs> <laughs> achievement unlocked that probably not many people achieve probably not actually both eloise and the ypsilanti state hospital were used in experiments during world war ii when doctors were trying to create the flu vaccine they also housed the first kidney dialysis machine in the state of michigan of course practices we'd call barbaric today were done to patients including electroshock therapy putting patients in leather restraints when they had psychotic episodes or acted out and lobotomies Eloise was always on the forefront of new medical practices for the mentally ill, no matter what kinds of practices they actually turned out to be. But the doctors at Eloise didn't always torture their patients. Just, you know, mostly. Yeah. <laughs> Other kinds of therapy were practiced often, as you can see in the 1946 British short film Genius in an Asylum, uh, which will be linked in the show notes. It shows Horace Flinders, a prodigy pianist, is in the midst of music therapy. The superintendent at the time, T.K. Gruber, explains while Flinders is playing that the, quote, healing power of music, end quote, has been introduced to patients at Eloise. Recreational therapy was also used, allowing patients time to be out in the yards and play games or learn various handiwork skills. Thank goodness. Yes. Yeah, so um, it's, not all, to that point. it's not all torture. Yeah. At the time, it was kind of they threw everything at the wall to see what would stick. Oh, sure. We still do that to an extent. We just Including know a lot the people. more. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, reading from the Asylum Project again, quote, Not all was bleak at Eloise. A carnival was held each summer on the hospital grounds with booths built by patients. Patients also ran a coffee shop in the psychiatric building. They must face life and its stresses, and we want them ready to do that, explained one of the doctors. Proceeds were used to buy recreational supplies, end quote. Eloise even had a library, a bar, and a credit union. Because that. this is like a thriving city. This is a city, yeah. <laughs> this is bigger than some cities, in fact. Correct. Yeah, especially <laughs> at the time, yeah. However, Eloise's problems outweighed its praises. Things hadn't improved much regarding patient treatment since the hospital's inception. Overcrowded, understaffed, and ill-equipped to handle the various kinds of mental illness, not to mention the physically ill, 
Reports of beatings, unsanitary conditions, employee theft, and much more came out of the facilities. By the mid-50s, they were having money problems, too. The county did their best to cut costs at the hospital at the expense of the patients. The farm on the ground shut down in 1958. By the 60s, Eloise was doing its best to get patients back out into society, some only staying there around 90 days, which, according to the Asylum Project, left them in more financial trouble. Quote, this success added to Eloise's money problems. The state chipped in for psychiatric expenses only after patients had been hospitalized for a year. Jeez. You get nothing unless they're hospitalized for an entire year. Jeez. Thanks, the state. What an awful system. (laughs) Oh my god, like what? So you have to handle it until then. Good luck. Uh, A fun, quote unquote, anecdote from the asylum project that the archives team at Ann Arbor district library couldn't find real evidence of, but gets an honorable mention quote, Wayne County also began mainstreaming, getting the psychiatric patient back into the community each week. This sometimes caused problems. One patient was so excited about his weekend leave that he stole a car from the hospital parking lot. There was a high-speed chase in which he was involved in five collisions and ran two police blockades. During the chase, shots were fired, nearly missing a group of children at a school crossing. The inmate was taken into custody after running the car into a ditch. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me. No, I choose to believe this. Um, Just because, (laughs) I mean, in the 80s and 90s, one of my father's jobs was to go with groups of patients out into the community um yeah sometimes we would meet up with them they would go to festivals like in downtown kalamazoo i mean it was like a field trip basically right yeah and they would because he worked with the the juveniles unit so they're not going to just send these kids out yeah they would go on day trips and things like that all the time so i don't know what the adults got up to but this does not surprise me at all no no no, if, no, no i, I would i would absolutely believe this could, could have happened absolutely yeah like i had a great day and that was what michigan was trying to move towards as well mainstreaming yes yeah so with the population declining funds dwindling and the steady stream of reports of abuse and neglect eloise shut down little by little over the next three decades the psychiatric division started closing its doors in 1977 the last patients from there were transferred to other facilities by the state of michigan in 1982 when it took over the hospital from Wayne County. The general hospital managed to hang on until 1984 or 86, depending on what source you use. Today, only a fraction of the buildings exist. Most of the land was sold off over the years to businesses, including a strip mall. Fun times. The administration building, K Beard or D Building, is now home to a popular and controversial haunted house every Halloween. It's expensive, too. Yeah, it is. Good lord. History tours and ghost tours both happen, as well as paranormal investigations. If you're wanting to experience the hospital for yourself, and you have money. (laughs) And you have money. Holy cow. Yeah. Um, I Um, totally get why it's expensive as as expensive as it is. They have, like, they're taking care of these buildings. Right. They're not not being greedy. They're not being greedy. Um, They are the only reason these buildings are still standing, to be completely honest. Right, just uh, 
they're a little out of my price range at the moment. That yeah, we have not been to Eloise yet because we cannot afford Eloise yet. Yeah, um, join the Patreon. Other things <laughs> take precedent. Yeah, like live shows, which we'll tell you about later. Yep. So. <laughs> Uh, besides the remnants of the giant complex that was, oh, I guess we should talk a little bit about the haunted house. So it is set up like um, a hospital. Right. As, as a lot of asylum haunted houses are. Yeah. But like, come on, man. <laughs> yeah. I feel like that was low hanging fruit. Like that was too, ob- too on the nose. Yeah. And also, I mean, this place just shut down kind of within my lifetime, almost. Yeah, basically. Yeah. So, uh, too, like, too soon? Too soon? Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it just feels a little... There, there are people around who probably remember being there. Right. Or have, or certainly having their parents or grandparents. Yes. There's a really fantastic book called Annie's Ghosts that's all about that. That I highly recommend. That I was reading for this episode. And then I realized that I just don't have time to read an entire book. <laughs> for one episode at the moment <laughs> yeah I certainly will... not one like that yeah yeah I will next season um not this season <laughs> but yeah that's that's certainly one people can can uh dive into if that's that's what yeah. they're interested in but yeah so um Eloise is as I say controversial because every year there's articles for it and against it and it's like this big argument every year around halloween time whether or not it's an appropriate thing to which then i i'm also thinking of like the possible spirits and ghosts that are hanging around still like man that sucks now your whole existence is turned into a haunted house for teenagers and and adults but yeah, and, and I mean, even at the time, their real lived experiences were used to frighten people. Right. And I just can't imagine, like, having gone through something like, say, like, water therapy or, quote unquote, therapy or electroshock therapy in mm-hmm. the manner that they used to do it. Because electroshock therapy is still used yes. in certain cases in a very different way. Um, yes. <laughs> I actually know someone who underwent electroshock therapy. Yeah. Uh, but not the way they used to do it. No. No, 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 no. And like being that ghost and seeing that happen or whatever it is they do. I'm I'm too scared to go to that haunted house. I'm a giant scaredy cat. I'm not going. So whatever they do. Yeah, I think I would have a hard time just because my father worked at the Kalamazoo. Yeah. State hospital, psychiatric hospital. It would be a little weird for me. Yeah, that seems. Yeah, that'd be strange. I do remember listening. We listened to the podcast Ghostly Talk. Um, with Amber Rose Hammond, who read her mm-hmm. books because she's amazing. They had somebody from, what was it, Erebus? Yes. Talk yes. about stuff like that. And I believe that was they really mentioned interesting. Something, some, some things about Eloise as well. Or maybe I read it in an article. I do remember someone saying sometime that they don't use in the haunted house the exact same treatments. Mm. Yeah, that, I, it might have been that. It's been a little while since we listened to it. It's um, been a bit. <laughs> But it was well, yeah. said somewhere in the world they don't quite they don't use the exact same treatments that would have been used on patients in the day. Yeah, the the man who runs Erebus seemed very conscientious. Oh yeah, yeah, he did for sure. That was that was really cool. I was yeah. glad to hear that. Another haunted house I will never visit because I can't. can't handle it is that. 
infamous. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm sure it's amazing. If you're into haunted houses, that's probably like the holy grail in Michigan. But I think it is. Yeah. It's not totally my thing. No. Uh, no. I can handle the ones at like theme parks super well because that's a theme park and they have like, there are very strict rules and regulations and like For sure. measures and I'm good with that. <laughs> yeah. I'm I don't sure know they... about independent ones. Wait, well, yeah, it might depend on the, but like if someone, allowed to do. someone jumps out at me, it's not out of the range of possibilities. I don't hit them. Yeah. That's also true. I have very, very good reflexes. Yeah, that's why Aaron can't go to stuff like that. Yeah. <laughs> He'll just hit them. He will break your nose. And he will break feel you. bad yes. about it later. <laughs> anyway. And now, a word from our sponsors. A huge thank you to Chapters Tea and Coffee for sponsoring us this season. Their robust coffee and flavorful teas are keeping us going this busy spooky season. The Raven's Roast Coffee is perfectly roasted, incredibly smooth, and when I handed the first cup to my husband, he took a sip and a look of pure bliss came over him. Krista and her husband made the dream within a dream tea before bed, and they loved the well-balanced flavor and calming warmth of it. There are so many reasons to enjoy this brand. Chapters is local to Southeast Michigan. You can get all of their blends from drinkchapters.com. And they donate 5% of their net profits to Active Minds, the national leader for young adult mental health advocacy and suicide prevention. You'll fall in love with the art, the blends, the bookmarks. Do not wait to get your hands on these blends. Make the cold months warm and comfortable with Chapters Tea and Books. Again, that is drinkchapters.com. Thank you for sponsoring this season of Haunted Mitten. Besides the remnants of the giant complex that was Eloise, there are two cemeteries around the property. One is relatively easy to find. It's off of Henry Ruff Road, and uh, Ruff spelled R-U-F-F, like, like the sound dogs make. And it's just barely marked as Eloise Cemetery. The headstones are flat, and I believe there is a fence around it, but it is open to the public. I'm not entirely sure that fence has a gate, mm. or at least has a gate anymore. Yeah, it's probably a little beaten down. Yeah, no one really cares about it. According to History of Eloise by Stanislaus Keenan, the first cemetery was documented around 1892. Quote, the cemetery was purchased from Bishop Foley in 1892. It consisted of two acres of ground and was then covered by the water of the artificial lake. There was an artificial lake there. Oh, goodness. The bones were dug up in 1893 and buried in the present county cemetery and on the island, end quote. The island was the high point of land that the water in the in the artificial lake didn't cover. So, yeah. Okay. They flooded an area and an island happened. Yeah. We, we have a lot of reservoirs in Michigan like that. <laughs> yeah. Thankfully, the cemetery hadn't been used in some time. And obviously, it's not there any longer. In fact, it's now Michigan Ave. Oh, so, interesting. Hey. <laughs> yeah. And we know how good people of the past were about moving bodies. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We learned a lot about that this year, huh? <laughs> Suddenly, the plot of Poltergeist seems spot on. I know. <laughs> You're like, wow, this is actually pretty plausible. Got it. <laughs> yeah. And of course, quote, 
This old cemetery was a fruitful spot for the medical students of Ann Arbor before the enactment of the law requiring the sending of all unclaimed pauper dead to the medical schools. Many are the amusing tales told of this old cemetery in the days of body snatching. The local doctors always knew when there was good anatomical material placed in the cemetery, and they always had medical friends in Ann Arbor, end quote. That also comes from Keenan Book. The other cemetery is still there. It's called, it's the Eloisa Cemetery, and it was used from 1910 to 1948. That's the one off Henry Ruff. Um, those that died while at the institution were buried there, and it was generally known as a potter's field. No names adorn the graves, only numbers, and a lot of those markers are now buried under grass and dirt, left to disappear over time. According to Ibbotson's book, after 1948, unclaimed bodies were sent to Wayne State University to be used as cadavers. And due to lost records, we no longer know who was buried where in some cases. However, Ryan Eberhardt, president of the Westland Historic Village, is trying to help genealogists identify who is buried at Eloise. Oof. That's... Yeah. <laughs> I salute you, friend. Yeah, for real. Yeah. Click on Detroit wrote in an October 2023 article, quote, I would say less than a percent have been identified. Eberhardt says the field doesn't look big enough to have 7,100 grave sites, but that's because they were crudely buried almost one on top of the next. Part of the reason I don't think a lot of them will ever be identified is a lot are John and Jane Doe's in this field. Eberhardt continues. So it is a noble project. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> however. Yes. However. Yeah. Good luck. Good luck, friends. Good luck. And again, like we've been saying this entire time, uh, the mentally ill were not exactly treated great. No. And Nor like, the poor. Or the poor. Uh, nobody at this farm was treated great. <laughs> no. In life or death. So if somebody died, you didn't really have the resources, especially. You didn't mm -hmm. have the family a lot of times. And you didn't right. have the, I don't know, conscious to treat everybody with a level of respect so right in you go and then yeah all the wonderful body snatching that u of m oh my god u of m <laughs> <laughs> so much body snatching yeah they got in trouble with ohio because they would go across the border and steal ohio bodies because <laughs> hey. you know it doesn't they're ohio bodies it doesn't matter hey stop stealing our bodies oh my yeah. gosh <laughs> That would be an interesting deep dive. Just the body snatching history of U of M. Oh man, if only U of M would like would like participate with us. No, with but I, they, I am sure they would not. They would absolutely not help. Yeah, U of M students, they were infamous for body snatching. Yeah. I'm sure Wayne State got into it too, but like U of M was infamous. Yeah. Yeah. H.H. H. Holmes being part of that, so. Correct. <laughs> Cheers, U of M. <laughs> oh man, U of M is a that's an interesting history that they will never let anybody do a real deep dive into. No, they are they don't like that. Mm -mm. They don't like their history at all. No. <laughs> Look well, at our football team, aren't they amazing? Pay no attention to the bodies in the corner. <laughs> Pay no attention to the bodies that are no longer in these cemeteries. All right, well, we did it. That's the history part. Um, yeah, it was a lot, huh? <laughs> that was just the history part. Yeah. Uh, could it be more in-depth? Absolutely. Do I really want to go into the detail on the atrocious things done to patients? 
well, maybe on Patreon. I'm really morbid, and that sounds pretty fun. But not here. Not on the main feed. You go to Patreon for the dirty stuff. Yeah. I mean, there are entire books written on this. Yes, you can also just go get those books, because they're most of them are pretty great. But congrats, you made it to the ghosts. Yay! <laughs> We're on page seven. <laughs> uh, sanitariums, mental hospitals, and really just hospitals in general often claim to be haunted. Yeah. Surprise. Uh, and if any of them are, it's probably Eloise. Yeah. According to WFMK, people have seen a woman in white and her disembodied voices and screams in the abandoned buildings. The woman in white is seen on the upper floors and the roof of what we think is the K Beard building, the most used building on the property, so likely. Uh, however, Samar- Samaritus, I think. Samaritus Homeless Shelter uses another of the buildings, uh, so without specifics, things things could be happening in either one of them, or both. Yeah. You know? sources. Some of the sources are like cutesy MLive articles at Halloween. Oh, they're yeah. Not, there's, yeah, there's yeah they're not too forthcoming on, like, the details. Right. Astonishing Legends, a fantastic podcast that goes really, really deep on the paranormal, says this about the woman in white. Quote, one of the most common apparitions is the full-bodied apparition of a woman who at first appears as white vapor before manifesting into a human form. It is believed she usually says something like, help me, or other cries for help. Some believe she is a residual spirit and that her suffering and her cry for help aren't active, but something the building remembers and continues to project. End quote. Several ghost investigation teams, including Detroit Paranormal Expeditions, have experienced footsteps, voices, and odd lights within the building. DPX set up stationary cameras back in 2019 and streamed them to the internet for about three hours hoping to catch something paranormal. Nothing huge happened, unfortunately, but an odd light was caught about 62 minutes in. And several of the commenters on the original Facebook video reported seeing figures hearing footsteps during the live stream. They have live streamed their Eloise investigations multiple times, and you can go to their Facebook, Detroit Paranormal Expeditions, or their website of the same name to see some. I remember watching that 2019 one when it was live. Nice. Did you did you catch anything? Nope. Nothing happened. <laughs> I'm also not super sus- susceptible to like pareidolia and, and like like eye matrixing and stuff like i don't really see faces and stuff my brain just doesn't make (laughs) patterns like that like i do but whenever there's like these paranormal shows or streams or whatever i don't see it when they point it out right or i don't see it the way they're seeing it yes but like yeah my cars have faces to me like everything has a face everything is alive (laughs) I mean, yeah, everything's alive I can, for sure. Yeah. yeah. And like, I used to, we had one of those, not a popcorn ceiling, but like a textured ceiling. Yeah. And I used to just stare at that and like images would appear and disappear and it was really entertaining. Yeah. I used to do that as a kid too. Yeah. We had a yeah. textured ceiling. That's fun. Yeah. <laughs> so U.S. Ghost Adventures claims that, quote, numerous poltergeist activities have been witnessed within the Eloise complex with doors slamming and medical carts and tables being overturned, end quote. People have seen shadow figures, quote, that seemingly drip from the ceilings and ooze from the walls of this place. And First quote. of all, that is not Ghost Adventures as in Bagans. This is U.S. Ghost Adventures. That's a different. Yep. 
says K make the connection between other asylums having oozing shadows to this. Thanks. Waverly Hills has something called the Creeper. Oh, I've heard of this. Yes. Yeah. Um, and it's basically this little like oozy black mass shadow thing that follows you by crawling on the ceiling over. I want to say the fourth floor, but I don't remember exactly. More than one asylum seems to have something that's very oozing shadows. And I find that very interesting. That makes sense for something that's dark. Some place that's dark. Plenty of EVPs have been captured by many investigators over the years. DPX has a long list of them with the recordings you can hear for yourself. They have caught everything from a woman humming to an annoyed voice telling them to get the fuck out of here. The spirits (laughs) seem to respond to the team whether or not they're being spoken to directly. Under one recording, DPX writes, quote, Jeff comments about having sudden and unusual back pain. He says the F word and a whispery EVP sounds like it says, don't say that. End quote. That's adorable. (laughs) Just from their recording list alone, it feels like there are multiple voices or personalities speaking to them. That's such a Michigan thing. I'm sure other places do. (laughs) I just remember when I was a kid. There was a infamous lawsuit because it up I was up north or in the UP, a man like fell out of his canoe or something and screamed the F word and a woman and her children heard on shore. And so they went after him <laughs> I, because it was against the law to swear in front of women and children. Oh, my God. She won, too. Of course she did, because it was a law. It's a stupid law. Yeah, that was in the 90s, I believe. So. Oh my god. So yeah, a story like this just makes me think of that. makes me giggle. Good lord. Okay. (laughs) All right, lady. Sure. (laughs) On one investigation, DPX got a vinyl record thrown at them. Oh, so mean. I know. (laughs) Uh, There's a video, too. So pretty cool. Want to check that out? Yeah. A lot of the reports come from this team because the leader owns the K-Beard building. And conducts the tours and investigations. So they've done a lot of investigating and still do hold tours, yeah. I believe, as we mentioned. And private investigations. Lots of people do go there. And you can rent out the upper floors of the building for your own team. Which is pretty cool. I don't... U.S. Ghost Adventures, not Baggins, also claims Eloise is home to two ghostly children who, quote, have been seen running the paint-peeling walls of the hallways... Turning a corner only to disappear. Kids running on the walls. (laughs) No, thank you. (laughs) That's, hmm, okay. (laughs) They speculate the children could be kids from when the facility housed them during the 1800s, but uh, who knows? There's kids there the whole time. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) They also claim there is a spirit of a doctor still roaming the halls. Quote, some have reported seeing a specter drenched in water, possibly a reminder of when hydrotherapy was coming into practice, end quote. Other times the doctor is wearing a smock covered in blood. So that's fun. Whomever or whatever is hanging around, plenty of folks have had strange experiences within the walls of Eloise. And don't forget about the incredibly controversial haunted house, which we're not saying you can't go. I, I know no, people God, have gone there had a great it. time. Yeah. yeah, support this place, give them money. It's just not really our cup of tea per se. Um, but yeah, that's that's a thing you can do in October. It is. Yeah, go do it. Absolutely. Yeah. If, if you've gone, let us know how it was, how it is. <laughs> um, so a couple of fun facts for, for Wikipedia. 
It also inspired the horror movie Eloise. The film stars Elijah Dushku and Robert Patrick. The film was released on February 2017 by Vertical Entertainment. Eloise- I remember that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, yeah, it's not, you know, great. but I haven't seen it, but yeah, I, I definitely, definitely remember when that came out. Yeah, you know, it's fine. Um, it's It's a horror movie. Yeah, yeah. It was featured in Expedition X, Ghosts of Eloise Asylum Part 1 and 2, released August 9th, 2023, starring Josh Gates, Phil Torres, and Jessica Chobot, and has been in a number of ghost hunting TV shows. And I have to go find that episode, those episodes of Expedition X now, and I'm super sad that I missed out on seeing Josh Gates again. Yeah, for sure. Sad. We'll have to, we'll have to do that. Yeah, I gotta um, that. One thing I remember about Eloise and I wish I could remember this woman's name, but the woman who brought Eloise to the attention of the world as being a haunted location now deeply regrets it. Oh, yeah, yeah, um, she, I can't. She did. She did an interview. It, it was one of those October, I think. Yeah. Oh, it's October. Fun, spooky stuff. Uh, she did it with either like the Free Press or the one of the news shows, something. And yeah, she's she deeply regrets that she did that because of all of the people it brought, and they kind of ruined the grounds ruined the buildings there's a lot of damage done uh she does swear that the cemeteries are not haunted and that anyone who claims otherwise is lying (laughs) yes i don't remember the book i read this i did read it in a book i don't know if it was a detroit one or not but yeah and god i wish i could remember her name she she was the one who was like yeah this place is totes haunted um here are the things that my team or what have you have experienced and then that brought in all of the looky loos everyone teenagers and yeah yeah everything that happens to an unsecure building once you claim it's haunted yeah oh yeah (laughs) and i'm sure people were breaking in there and like drinking beers and smoking pot anyway oh yeah hell yeah yeah Yeah, she she regrets doing that interview um i am amused that she very boldly declares anyone who says they've experienced anything in the cemeteries is lying like she's flat out called them liars that's nuts <laughs> i mean i didn't come across anything that did say that the cemetery was haunted it's just right. that it exists it's across the street right it's it's there but wow all right bold claim yeah bold claim ma'am i'll have to look through and see if i can find where i found that but it was it was in one of the one of the haunted michigan books one of the like hundreds i think that i made at this point <laughs> One of the thousand that we've read. (laughs) Whatever. (laughs) All right, people, we did it. You're welcome. No, really, that was actually an incredibly fun research project. I can see myself falling way too deep into it and it becoming a pet project. So I'm going to leave that for now. (laughs) So I'm going to leave that for now. (laughs) I already have a pet project. has to do with the not so secret project i already have one i don't yeah, need we, more we need to finish that up first yes um because we're under contract <laughs> literally <laughs> have to finish that first um but yeah this is it's eloise is a really famous slash infamous place in michigan certainly not the only um hospital of this type it is interesting to me that it was a county hospital and not yeah. a state hospital right um I mean, I know Wayne County was like the wealthiest county forever in Michigan's history until, well, recently. Yeah. Considering it was, Detroit was established in like 1703 or something like that. Right, of course, yeah. Um, So yeah, that interests me that it was able to operate as long as it did as a county 
hospital. Yeah, it never got taken over, like, officially by the state. Maybe that's why it lasted so long. <laughs> wow. Slam on you, Michigan. Yeah, yeah we're calling you out. Hot take on Michigan mental health history. <laughs> super, super lukewarm. Every every take. <laughs> yep. Super lukewarm take on it. Um, but Eloise is a place that deserves to be recognized, protected, and remembered. Yeah, for sure. We and... talked to people who what were born there, or their parents yes. were born there. Um, when yeah. it was the General Hospital. Um, so yeah, there are people that have very, very, very direct ties to this location. Yes, it is not so old as to be like just a, a thing, a, an old building from history. Like it is. Yeah, it's it is still from our present. Past. Yeah, yeah, it is still from enough of the present that yeah like you said people were born there people worked there and yeah and we talked to them and we talked to them and it was cool so yeah (laughs) yeah so and then um whomever or whatever is still walking those halls like deserves to be remembered too we shouldn't just you know to go oh spooky and move on like these Mm -hmm. are real people this is a real place and all of the the wonderful and the horrible that comes with that and like these patients were against their will or i mean they weren't even asked um experimented on and thanks to them uh we have things like the flu vaccine right and other vaccines yeah um i think was it polio yeah that was also invented in michigan yeah Um, so that's also pretty cool yeah i mean it's terrible that they're experimented on but thanks to them people today are living much longer like we don't live in fear of polio and the flu like we did right exactly yeah i feel like that's a really interesting part of history as well and that should absolutely be remembered yes 100 percent. yeah we have one more episode for season five and it's gonna be amazing it's my my opinion um as always check out our socials go to the website um chat with us through patreon and the discord we're like permanently attached to the discord Uh, (laughs) yeah patreon happens all year long so if you miss us during the spring and summer, go check us out there. We've got cool stuff and we're super cheap. We start at $1. Yeah. Um, Patreon also does this thing now where you can follow us for free and get some free content, mm-hmm. which we've been, that's very recent. So I've just started doing it. And if you want a sneak peek of our upcoming not so secret project, check it out this summer on Patreon as well. And we, we throw stuff in the discord on occasion too. Oh yeah. We will be at Chicago steampunk exposition this april come see our presentation on the windy city's ghosts and maybe another presentation about podcasting in general we will see about that (laughs) yeah i hope so chicago steam is really fun it is super fun and you don't have to be super duper into steampunk no we're talking about ghosts like uh there's two people presenting that are presenting their books like it's yeah. yeah it's more than just here's some gears on a thing and the theme is uh nosferatu which is pretty yes. sweet so if you're into vampires this would be a good one to go to yes my awesome friend liana renee heber is coming out from new york and she'll be talking about ghosts um she dresses in victorian morning garb like year round and she's an amazing human being and i love her yeah and if you haven't read so, her book fun times do it uh, yeah. Especially if you're into the paranormal, and especially if you would like to know more about women and the paranormal, read Leona's books. She's yes, great. for sure. <laughs> um, and then as far as we know, we will be at 
um, uh, all or almost all of the Frankenfest sisses um, yeah. this year. <laughs> the first one being in June at the Turner Dodge House in Lansing. Um, we present every year, so um, please come see us. Yeah, and they also Thanks. do a, a little mini ghost hunt, too, that you can opt in for. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. It goes to supporting, well, the Lansing Parks. It doesn't go directly to the house, but the house does get some money from it. The house gets some money, at least. It's not, yeah, they're not doing yeah. this for nothing. So thank you again to Linby Designs and Chapters Coffee and Tea for sponsoring us this season. Uh, you helped us do more live events. We've done so many. Work on our secret project and pay for our website. And if you out there would like to sponsor us, email contacthauntedmitten at gmail.com. We're always open to more sponsors, especially local artists and businesses. We are all about promoting, supporting Michigan. Yes. Um, yeah. Especially artists, especially small business. So do it. <laughs> sponsor yeah. us. Great. Yeah. We, we'd, love, we'd love to hear from you. We'd love to work with you. Oh, yeah. Um, and then if you just have anything weird you want to talk about, email us too. Um, we keep saying we're doing a mailbag. I swear we're going to get to it. Um. <laughs> well, our our Seeger project is due in a month. So. <laughs> we don't have a lot of time right now, folks. But yeah, we are once this is turned in. Yeah, we are um. in crunch time right now. So. Yeah. We're almost there. So close. Uh, we will see you again with our season finale in just a few weeks. And as always, happy haunting. We're back here to talk to you about Lynn B Designs. Not only do they have the best nail polish to rival even those most expensive nail polishes on you see on Instagram, but they have stickers, wax melts, shirts, everything cute and adorable and definitely ready for this fall season. So be sure to check out this vegan, cruelty-free brand. You will love them as much as we do. Check out Lynn B Designs monthly sales. They are fantastic. I am going to go look at some right now. Thanks.